Hi, my name is Scott, and I'm one of the elders here at Southridge. I'm honored to be given the opportunity to speak to you today and to help Jeff by taking some of the load off his shoulders, allowing him to a little bit more bandwidth to concentrate on the summer camp, our upcoming changes, and our new facility. Today I'm going to continue our sermon series where we're going to discuss the differences between unity and uniformity and what the Bible teaches us about the church and how it should operate. In 1986, shortly after he was forced out of Apple, Steve Jobs bought a small company. He ended up relocating this company named Pixar to an abandoned Del Monte canning facility. The original plan called for three buildings with separate offices for computer scientists, animators, and the Pixar executives. Jobs immediately scrapped it. Instead of three buildings, there was going to be a single vast space with an atrium at its center. For Jobs, it was not just about creating a space. The primary challenge for Pixar, as he saw it, was getting the different cultures to work together and collaborate. Jobs saw separated offices and departments as a decision problem and a design problem. He began to with shifting the mailboxes to the atrium. He then moved the meeting rooms, the cafeteria, the coffee bar, and the gift shops to the center of the building. Brad Bird, the director of The Incredibles and Ratatouille said, the atrium initially might be, seem like a waste of space, but Steve realized that when people run into each other, when they make eye contact, things happen. Even if it came at the expense of convenience, the emphasis on conciliate thinking, meaning bringing together divergent skills and thoughts, which has been a defining trait of Steve Jobs. Jobs insisted that the best creations occur when people from different fields were connected, especially in the age of intellectual fragmentation. Today, we are going to continue the sermon series, and as someone who works in business, I can tell you the most influential book that has helped me out in my career regarding business is the Bible. What Steve Jobs discovered is exactly what we're going to talk about today, which is the distinction between unity and uniformity and God's plan for us in the church. The future measurement of spiritual growth is no longer church attendance, but in engagement. If you notice the theme of what we've been talking about this year, it's been a very God-focused, Christ-centered, and spirit-empowering. For some of us, it's being introduced to God. For other of us, it's being reminded of who God it is and who we are in him. For even others, you're being introduced to God. A different version of him, but the real him. A question that we want to continue with in this series is, how do you best connect with God? Our entire series, You've Got Style, is based on 2 Timothy 2.5. There's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. And James 4.8, come close to God and God will come close to you. We've been looking at nine spiritual styles that help us know how God has wired us to come closer to him. We talked about the book Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas, which is what this whole series is based off. In the book, Gary Thomas spent time researching the early church and the scriptures and he put out nine pathways of wirings that each of us have to help us best connect with God. Some of us are traditionalists, and we connect with God through ritual. Some of us are naturalists, and we connect with God through nature and being outside. Some of us are intellectuals, and we connect with God through our mind 
and through discovery. Some of us are contemplatives, and we connect with God by writing down and just spending time with adoring God. Some of us are aesthetic, and we need solitude and space to connect with God. Others of us are activists, and we have to be doing things for the kingdom of God. Other, other of us are caregivers, and we love showing up and caring for and loving people the way that Christ did. Others of us are enthusiasts, and worship is what gets us going. It's celebration that keeps us connected with God. Others of us are sensates, and it's our senses that help us connect with God. Our hope is that you'll discover your style or styles. While it's true that we each have a unique style or wiring by which we connect with God, it's also true that God has given us different ways to best connect with him. Our goal today will be to continue to answer the question, how to apply our styles so that we can maximize our connection with our Heavenly Father and best serve our Father here on earth. Two weeks ago, we looked at prayer. Last week, we looked at the interaction with the Bible. This week, we see how being as one of the church maximizes our connection with the Heavenly Father. A good analogy to what we're going to talk about today regarding the church is very similar to the relationship between a husband and wife. Learning how to be one, even though we have different personalities, hobbies, strengths, and weaknesses, even though we come from different backgrounds, even though we have different family traditions, and different cultures that we, are designed, that we were brought up in, we were made to be united. We were made to be one. That does not happen automatically, and it takes work, but it's work worth doing. We spent three weeks talking about how we're all so different, and that's a really good thing. It's a good thing for you to understand your wiring. It's also a good thing for you to understand how you're made. It's a really good thing for you to understand how you best connect with God. Our hope is that over the course of this series that you've grown in your connections with your Heavenly Father and your understanding of you. There is danger in all of this. The danger is in identifying how different you are. You can start believing that your way is the best way to connect with God. When we think that our way is the best way, the danger is that when we think we're the best and everyone else is less, we can start looking at the way that other people connect with God and we start to putting them on a ratio scale of less spiritual than we are or more spiritual. We don't think of our style as best. We, we just think of it our way as doing best. We start to believe that our way is the only way. We think that our way is the only way to connect with God. The dangerous progression of this and the one that the devil loves to use is for our ways and feelings which are contrary to God's truth to replace God's truth. If we begin to think our way is better, and the only, way, the only way there are two things that will happen as a result. There's division and disbelief. disbelief. Division within the church, within our own families, friends, neighborhoods. Disbelief for those watching who are outside the church. Scripture says, let's take a look at what God teaches us about unity and how we can apply these principles to Southridge. As we look at unity, we look at a moment where Jesus was praying for us. In John 17, 20 to 21, he says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. 
I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prays this prayer not just for his disciples, but to us as believers. He prays that we would be one, and this is something that we would have to fight for because it is our natural tendency is to, for selfishness. Our nature is to pull away from others. Our natural push is to do things ourselves, in our way, in our time. He then explains why he's praying for unity. And may this be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. So continuing in verse 21. If we are not united, it affects the way that the world sees and believes us in Christ. If they are not seeing love demonstrated by the church, then they may not understand the Heavenly Father's love for them. Our unity affects believability. If we can't love each other, it will be difficult for the world to believe that God loves them. So what does it look like to be one or united? What does it look like to fight for each other? Paul explains it pretty well in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start in verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Our bodies have many different parts with different functions, but together they are much more effective than they are as an individual, as separate components. For example, our arms and legs are much more effective with hands and feet than without. Paul con continues this analogy just like there are many parts that make up you. Each person is a part that makes up the church. Just like each part of the body is different and serves a unique and needed purpose, each person that makes up a part of the church is different and unique and serves a purpose. Each part of the body, when all put together, represents you. Each part of the body of Christ, when all put together, represents Jesus. Continuing now on to verse 13 in 1 Corinthians 12, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Regarding of our differences in styles, ethnicities, pasts, personalities, we are all same in how God accepts and rescues us. We are the same in, in this way because we belong to him. We are the body of Christ, and this is who we are. Christ identifies us. Continuing on to verse 25 through 27, this makes for the harmony among members so that all members can care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's bodies, and each of you is a part of it. Earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul discusses spiritual gifts. These are gifts that God provides to believers to help them accomplish the work of the church. These are things such as teaching, preaching, wisdom, serving, encouraging, to name a few. The interesting thing about these gifts is we aren't given all of them. In fact, the only person who had all of them was Jesus. God could have decided to give us all of these gifts, but he didn't. On God's perfect plan for us is for us to go to war against our self-sufficiencies so he communicates part of himself to one person and part of himself to another so that without one another, we can't fully ever experience God. There's a beauty in all this. The only way to really know all of Jesus, the only way to experience all the power of Jesus is to be connected to other believers. There is no Lone Ranger spirituality that says, I am complete in Christ and therefore I don't need the church. There is, no, there is an interesting dichotomy in all of this. 
in that we are complete in Christ, but the way that God continues to work in your life is through intimate connections with his body, the local church. To take this a step further, God has distributed the primary portion of his power to the world by means of gifts he's given to the church. When you are asking God to work in your life without being intimately connected to the local church, you're asking him for his power while simultaneously disconnecting yourself from the source of that power. Think about that for a second. Why would you go into a battle or a fight with a blindfold, a straitjacket on with your shoelaces tied together? But that is exactly what you're doing when you aren't involved with the body of Christ. You aren't taking advantage of the full set of tools and skills you have been given through Christ. This is one of the reasons why we talk about being involved with small groups, serving, attending, worshiping, and giving. It's not because we want the church to look good or we're doing it solely for the benefit of Southridge. We do this because we want to fulfill what 1 Corinthians is clearly teaching us because that's what God's recipe and plan and purpose for the church is in our lives. This is the main reason why we felt it was important to meet again in person on a more regular basis. And is reason why it's a no-brainer to take advantage of the chance to meet in person inside the school, even though it means spending money we could put to our new building at the same time. We are trusting God to provide. And that's a really a secondary goal to the main point of what Scripture teaches us, which is that the church is the best functions together with one another together. That means being involved, being together, being present, and being known. Sharing of yourself is just as important as being encouraged by others. Each of you is important, and I would argue absolutely essential, since each of you has been given a God-given gifts and abilities that are needed by the church so that the church can function and do its work. What 1 Corinthians 12 lays out for us is that God's plan for the church. What we are told is we each are important and needed. We each have unique abilities and talents, but no one person is more important or valuable. Studying this passage has reminded me of the fact that there are times where I felt most fulfilled have often come when I have given myself most to the church. Reading this passage, that shouldn't come as a surprise. It is a great reminder to us of God's plan. When we are working together, there is strength. That reminds me of a great story that I recently heard. A father had a family and a bunch of sons. Unfortunately, they weren't very nice to each other. There was consistent quarreling and bickering. No matter what the father said to his sons, it didn't do any good. As a result, he thought long and hard about what he could say. He wanted to provide them some sort of lesson that would help them realize the impact that their constant quarreling would ultimately have. One day, the quarreling became more aggressive and even violent. The father broke it up and sent each son to a different corner of the yard. It was at that point that the wise father came up with a lesson. He sent one of the sons to the woods to bring out a bunch of bundle of sticks. He tied the bundle of the sticks together and asked each son to take turns trying to break them. Each of them tried very hard, but couldn't come close to snapping the bundle. The father then untied the bundle and gave each son one stick and asked them to break it. Now they did so very easily. And then he said, my sons, do you not see how if you helped each other, and work with each other, it will be impossible for your enemies to injure you. But if you continue to be divided amongst yourselves, you won't be any stronger than the single stick that is in that bundle. 
That lesson applies to us, into the church, into what 1 Corinthians teaches us. God designed the church purposely. We win and lose as a body. When people accept Christ, we win. When people walk away because of something the church did wrong, those people lose. It's, no one is more important than another. No one is better than one another. And ultimately, unity is not uniformity. Oneness is not sameness. Unity is setting out differences aside to make a difference. Unity is finding common ground for the common good. Unity is the realization that we are all better together. When we get this right, the church becomes more attractive. The church becomes more effective. The church becomes more influential. When you get this right as a follower of Jesus, you become more attractive. You become more effective. You become more influential. My challenge to you is this. What, your, what are your gifts and how can those get gifts best be used? I want to follow that up with a second challenge. Are you giving yourself to the church? Are you involved with a small group and making yourself known and using yourself to encourage others? Are you serving and using your skills? Are you giving of your time and your resources? If the answer to these questions or question is yes, I want to encourage you to continue and refine. If your answer is no, I want to challenge you to look for opportunities to change that. We will be starting up small groups soon, and we'll be providing more information about them in the coming weeks. With the move back to the consistent in-person meetings at the school, there are lots of opportunities to serve. Seek out an environmental leader. Talk to Jeff or me or anyone else that you know or are comfortable talking with. Make yourself known along with your willingness to serve. Trust me that it won't always be easy or fun, but it is worthwhile. It has value. It's how we are refined, and it's how we are encouraged. Encourage others how we grow and connect and make an internal difference. Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, thank you for today and just the opportunity that we had to talk to, uh, to you today. And I just want to thank you for the plan of your church and for, um, for just showing us the beauty of your church. I ask you that you continue to use the church and specifically Southridge to minister, encourage, grow, and refine us as we seek to love our families, our community, our country, and most importantly, you. I pray that as we start to meet back in person inside the school starting next week, that your continued direction will be upon us as we seek to build a permanent facility to serve our community. More importantly, may we provide, properly utilize the talents of the people that you have blessed us with. We pray for unity, for active participation, and most importantly, that we can be a good representative of you and your plan for us through your church. In your name, amen.